0: Hey, everyone, welcome to our first beyond podcast, where I interview people who I find very inspiring. um, And we talk about a bunch of random things from you know, life to their hobbies, etc, etc. Welcome to our first episode. Welcome, Nathan. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Thank you for having me on the podcast. As a guest, I am Ethan Spruder for full context, recent graduate of Penn, where I studied business in English. And nice. in January, I'll be starting as a consulting associate, where I'll be giving advice on technology at PwC. Wow, that's super cool. Um, yeah, do you want to talk a little bit more about, you know, why you chose the road you know studying business and also English I feel like that's like a very interesting combination like why are you interested in both yeah that's a great question so to answer the first question I went into college thinking I wanted to become an entrepreneur I wrote all my college essays about that of course Mm -hmm. as I got exposed to more classes I gradually deviated from that path so I Started off with finance and management, and then my sophomore year, after taking a couple of English classes, I realized that I really enjoyed reading books. I really enjoyed talking to other people about concepts that weren't really related to the business world. I got a little bit tired of talking about pure profit maximization, whatever that means, or returning shareholder value. So I I wanted to go broaden my perspective by engaging the humanities. So that's why I had on an English major my sophomore year and that's wow. why i ended up doing this in english and i think that the combination of those two have helped a lot in terms of thinking critically because everyone makes fun of humanities majors for being soft but in reality i think they have a much broader and holistic view of the world that is invaluable even yeah. in a professional space or in the harder sciences i feel like english as a language is very difficult and i feel like majoring in that sort of major at, col- at a college level is very, very difficult. Um, for you, like, how are you able to like balance both of these interests? Like English is very challenging in a, in a number of ways, right? You have to write a lot of essays, I assume, or like read a lot of literature. And like in business, it's like a totally different animal, right? How, how are you able to, you know, balance that heavy workload throughout your, um, throughout your studies at, at Penn? That's a good question. I think the way I would describe it is having two parts of your brain. So I have an English type of brain and then a business brain. So I kind of like to switch between the two and it kind of enables me to, um, I guess, stay refreshed in college because I get bored pretty easily to speaking personally. I have a pretty short attention span. So when I get a little tired of business, then I switch over to my English assignments, such as reading and writing my essays. When I get bored of reading and writing essays, then I switch over to the business side where I'm making presentations, where I'm analyzing earning reports and all that good stuff. So I, I think that for me, is just a way to stay engaged? Um, I, I constantly find myself kind of switching between the tasks for better or worse, but um, I think it's been a constructive endeavor doing both at the same time. It, it, uh, and then in terms of time management, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it's is about planning out your activities carefully during a day, but having a certain degree of flexibility in your schedule so that you can do uh, whatever that you, you want to do in the moment, right? Say I just don't want to do business, then I'll do, do English, even though I don't have that time slot allocated specifically for English work or mm-hmm. reading. Wow, that's like very, very productive. I'm somewhat surprised. But... Um... was curious about like the communities you know like the business community at like UPenn like UPenn Warden is notorious for like it's I think like it's work hard play hard mentality I feel based on like um some of my what my pen friends have said but to be fair most of my pen friends are engineers but also like English I feel like the English community is totally different right so Um, did you find like you vibed with like a certain group more or did you have like friends in both circles were there any like stark differences that were interesting to you like I guess how did you form you know your support system at uh, at Penn having like these two majors Um, and also I know you were part of a bunch of clubs too if you want to talk about that as well Yeah, so starting to first question, I had both formal and informal systems of support. Mm -hmm. With formal support, because I was part of Wharton and the College of Arts and Sciences, I had two advisors, Mm -hmm. one Wharton-specific one and then one college-specific one. So I got formal advice on which classes I should take and extracurriculars I should participate in for my given interests, which was really, really incredible because most of the time you only have one advisor. So I'll be fortunate to have multiple advisors in my academic career at Penn and then in terms of my friends I would say the majority of them were in business because of timing mostly because Mm -hmm. I entered Penn as a business freshman a major yep and then it was only after a year that I had on English I didn't have as much exposure after that Mm -hmm. Um, those freshman years when you meet most of your friends same sophomore year Um, but still I would say I have pretty good friends in the English department Uh, it's very different, but refreshing. So I'll have mm-hmm. conversations about classic literature from the early 1900s with my English friends, while talking about the whatever tech French news that we read uh, with sure. my business friends. So which is a whole different sphere of conversations and discussions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talking about your earlier point, I guess like when you were you know finding your friends early on in college. Um, did you make any like friends like in your later years? Like personally I found we had like we have like this freshman energy going into college like everyone's super down to meet like new people, like make new friends, do a bunch of cool stuff together. Um and I feel like sophomore year, junior year it's like a little bit more difficult because people I think have that sort of mindset like where like oh I already have my friend group. I don't I don't really want to put myself out there. Like Yeah, I would say that. I guess like how you. how did you, you know, deal with that or or were you like similar to other people where like you kind of like just you know close your you know your friend list yeah I think you raised a good point there I think for myself it held up to a certain extent but I made sure to go out and reconnect with old friends while like meeting new people that I otherwise wouldn't have met Mm -hmm. Um, so at Penn we have this tradition called Feb Club where Penn seniors attend some kind of event every day of the month for instance, one day they would rent the Comcast Center in downtown Philly, and we would all go down to the bar and just reconnect with old friends and ride these mechanical bowls and other arcade <sighs> games. Other times we would go to like a beer garden, um, but those were mostly events geared towards reconnecting with lost friends, not lost friends, but friends you like lost, lost touch, touch. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And also meet new people. Um, but majority of my upperclassmen years was spent with my close friends, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. that's what happens typically, and then I met a couple new friends as well but mostly mostly old friends to be honest right and I think you bring an interesting point like maintaining relationships I feel is very difficult I know you're entering you know your first year outside of graduating like how have you dealt with you know maintaining these like strong and close relationships that you have fostered throughout college where you could just like hit them up and you know grab dinner, grab lunch. I think especially in the quarantine, it's difficult even for myself. Like all my friends are like back home, for example. I guess like personally for me, it's it's hard. Like Zoom chatting or like playing among us is not the same. It's like grabbing dinner or grabbing lunch or studying together. I guess, how do, you, how do you maintain those relationships or even like strengthen them, you know, during a pandemic or like outside of college where you don't see them? Uh, yeah, I think exciting. it requires proactivity on both sides. Mm-hmm. And it's just too easy, like you mentioned, to let these friendships go because of the distance, because we don't have that same proximity that we had when we're on the same campus. So to mitigate that, I think that both parties have to be proactive. So at least the people that I've stayed in contact with, I've been pretty active in reaching out to, just to check in on them, one, and also two, just to, um, I don't know, have fun together. So for instance, a recent get-together that I recall was with my castmates. So senior year, I ended up participating spontaneously in a play, um, so I acted a little bit in a play, mostly played my cello in the play. Um, so uh, it was the one year anniversary to last week, so we decided to rewatch it as a group. So they all invited me together. It was a great way just to catch up with my old crew members and see what they've been up to. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, this organizing these group events via Zoom mostly has been pretty pretty helpful. It's not the same, obviously, as meeting up with your friends in person, mm-hmm. but that's the best that you can do. Um, right. I also feel really bad for the freshmen because yeah. one thing that you can't do virtually is meet new people. Well, you can, but it's, it's not it's the same. It's very difficult. Whereas maintaining yeah. relationships that are already pretty solid or were formed when you were meeting in person is right. much easier. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel bad for any current students like yourself. This, uh, beyond beyond roommates, you're not really spending much face time with other people because it's unseen. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. I feel like for me, um, so like I teach um CS61A at Berkeley, like um our intro to CS course, and during our first few weeks, like when we were you know, like onboarding our students to our weekly tutorials, as we call our like weekly sections, um it was like really hard to get students to like talk to each other. And I feel like I had a sort of responsibility to foster those relationships, but I tried my hardest and I I feel like a majority of my students were just like not down, even though like most of them were freshmen. And I found that surprising and like kind of disheartening, but I had one section where um, a student said like, Oh, let's form a study group on messenger. And okay was pretty that was pretty exciting and pretty inspiring pretty dope Um, yeah tell me more about your your TA experiences and just looking at groups just because I've always been curious how you try to break down those awkward barriers in place right especially virtually Uh, I know some TAs do icebreakers Uh, I remember doing that a lot in my undergraduate years yeah I mean what what kind of strategies do you employ in this regard I like doing like check-ins like just doing like woohoos and boohoos like Talk what about, does like, that one mean? One i've never thing, heard of that i one think thing that's that compliment. happened you know that you're happy about like in the past week or one like bad thing that happened and then also like one thing that you look forward to i think that's gets you know the conversation starting okay um, so that's always you know a good icebreaker in my opinion um if i'm actually like trying to meet someone new like if i'm not like in a role where i'm like you know a ta or a person of like power quote unquote like if i was just trying to meet someone like my colleagues i would usually just like ask them like their hobbies or something right i don't know yeah i don't even know like how to make friends Like i don't really have like an algorithm so i'm curious like how how you you make friends right because like i feel like um in high school right in middle school you know since we're brothers like i know I, i know like basically everything about you but like, in high school and middle school, you were very, you know, extroverted. And I'm, like, kind of the opposite. I'm, I'm very introverted. And I feel like we have different methods of making friends. Like, you've, you have, like, a you have a very successful, you know, support system, I feel. And you've, you've had a lot of success of, you know, mentoring people as well, as well as, you know, being mentored, on the flip side, beyond Absolutely. friendships. So I'm curious, like, how, you know, you, you know, make those connections, make those, like, friendships or like even like get into relationships like your love life right yeah so I think you have to group it into two categories one would be your acquaintance slash friends that you say hi to when you're walking down the street versus like your best friends Uh, because both of them employ a different approach right Uh, for instance with the casual friend I meet usually it's through a club event or some kind of broader school-wide event for instance that club was one way I met a bunch of new friends and then when you're talking about good friends, it's just about, it's like an investment, right? Like you have mm-hmm. to invest more time in that. Right. Um. But first, like you have to figure out whether or not you vibe. Um. Like you mentioned, we have different personality types, right? So mm-hmm. um. I don't know, sometimes I don't vibe very well with people who are also extroverted like me. I need something, someone else to balance me out, right? Um, Do you so feel like been... you, you need to like stand out? Is that why? No, not that. It's, it's just that of- I want balance, right? Like, yeah ideally in friendships you want some difference but also some shared ground as well but you don't want to be identical to your um identical to your friend because that's Mm -hmm. less than ideal because then you don't have the diversity ideas you don't have the um then you don't have the opportunities to grow right that could benefit Mm -hmm. both parties uh so yeah I, i mean in terms of casual friends i go to a bunch of School events, events, uh, club events, just to meet random people. Sometimes I meet them in classes and we just end up in study groups together. Uh, also, sometimes you'll meet them at parties, other social events, which uh, I guess for you isn't as relevant, but. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes, because yes. we're in the middle of that a pandemic. Also, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, I'm sure since you we're in the middle of a pandemic and I'm a very cities. responsible person, yes. No, I was talking about pre pandemic. Of course, oh, I would not condone partying. uh, Post-COVID, which I know have caused a huge spread. Um, Yeah, danger, danger. But yeah, yeah, I I think like circling back to your previous point, right? Uh, Um, We're not consultants here. We don't have to- Yeah, we're not consultants. uh, Uh, I do want to touch on the point of like growth, right? I think there's like a cliche or there's like a TED talk video about, you know, having a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. Meaning like, how do you deal with failures and how do you like learn from them, right? Do you value the process and are you able to like bounce back, right? And be willing to believe in yourself and saying like, oh yes, I can improve. Instead of saying like, oh, okay, I experienced this failure and I can't improve, right? How, I guess, what is your mindset, I guess? Do you, you know, try to, you know, maximize for growth during college? Like what was your sort of, you know, um, strategy, I guess, or your sort of mindset for, you know, finding happiness and success, you know, in such a tough environment and competitive environment as like, you know, UPenn Warden, uh, in English, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of things to impact there. I would start with the growth mindset question that you raised. I think that having a growth mindset is super important. There's a lot of literature out there, studying pedagogy in terms of instilling this growth mindset into students and yeah I think it's super powerful in how uh, people especially young adults like ourselves like develop Um, well not so young anymore but yes yeah but you still develop until your mid to late 20s if I'm not mistaken. yeah that's right yeah Um, it's crucially you maintain it you don't drop it off because a frequent problem I run into is that people kind of give up in college after you get into some selective school, right. like, like complacency, right? Or, yeah, some kind of prestigious school, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen this with your classmates. Some people just want to cruise, right? Because mm-hmm. they know that they can. And once you get into a school, right. you can kind of just pass by. And that's the type of fixed mindset. If you have, I if you have that like label, right? Or they think they have like a label that can get right, them they have the that job. prestige label. But yeah, I don't think yeah. you can rest on your laurels quite like that, just because yeah, I agree. I think actions speak a lot more and you won't be able to get a good sure. job if you <laughs> yeah. do a really bad job in college and fail and get all these terrible grades in your transcript, mm-hmm. um, Because that also is reflected in the way that you behave right. personally. That's- so I can tell usually when someone is trying or is a generally hard-working individual just by interacting right. with them. You can tell from a general level of intelligence. Um, so yeah, I think a growth mindset is crucial in and feeling that type of personal and professional growth. Yeah, and, and I think also adding to that point, I think it's one of the most important, you know, attributes of a person. Like I, I've been talking to like a few of my friends, and I think like one of the most, you know, attractive feature of, you know, a person in general is being driven and having some sort of motivation towards a higher goal. Um, but I don't know yeah. about you, I, I guess like what do you find, you know, attractive in a person? Like, what is your said type, per se? Yeah, honestly, I do like to drive, as you mentioned as well, personally. Uh, within my friends and uh, I guess anything others, I do look for that ambition, that mm-hmm. um, ability to also translate uh, intent into action, right? It's just someone who walks the talk, as uh, right. the common adage goes. Mm-hmm. I think that's super valuable just because in this a A&H, and there's a lot of noise and a lot of talking, but not really enough action. So I always I like that. people that can follow through with what they're talking about and have the ambition and motivation to really create change because otherwise, what's really the point. Um, yeah, I, I like purposeful, yeah. driven people. That's, that's, that's great. And like, um, I guess... You yourself, right? Like, for instance, okay, I remember yeah. in high school, you just put Let's your mind them. straight to coding. Uh, I respect that a lot. That wasn't my uh. goal, but okay. Well, no, I was just saying in general, you're driven, you're ambitious, you had a purpose, right? You wanted to learn something, get good at it, and you did that with coding, right? And yeah. you did hackathons and stuff like that. Right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but I also wanted to talk about, you know, you mentioned like the traits you look in for you know, someone else that, you know, might be friends with or someone that you might be interested in, right. I guess. I want to talk about your experiences specifically. Like, I know that you're like very driven. You're probably like one of the most driven people I've met and like, you're also my brother and you're like very inspiring oh, thank in you. that sense, in like terms of your work ethic and, you know, I guess your ethics in a sense, um, I guess like, let's talk about, you know, like your first few years at Penn or throughout your career, you spent a lot of time in like, I feel like a few organizations that are super interesting. Like you mentioned that uh, you were part of like 180 Degrees Consulting, which does like pro bono consulting, I believe, right? And then you also were part of a lot of different organizations. I might have forgot, but like fraternities, right? Uh, Like the orchestra initially. I guess, like, could you just talk about, like, all those experiences and, you know, I guess the key takeaway from that or, like, the few key takeaways you've learned throughout those experiences? Yeah, so I would group them into two categories. One were short-term type of exploratory initiatives, like the orchestra. I was part of the Penn Education Club at one point. Mm -hmm. Uh, These were all just to broaden my perspective and also just curious as a freshman so You're I joined like exploring different right uh right. what I call that is like the shotgun approach right so <laughs> okay. I just shotgun to all these co- all these clubs I sent applications Great literally everywhere you. just because with some clubs at Penn you have to apply for them so I didn't know I was going to get in so I applied everywhere I applied right. to all the consulting clubs finance clubs mm. all the clubs had applications just to see what I could get in and then after a couple semesters with those clubs I figured where my real interests lay and then I started cutting down from there Mm-hmm. um but and what were those uh, like real interests oh yeah yeah so i ended up staying with 180 degrees consulting all four years and mm-hmm. holding an executive position there then and like who do you like what what is 180 degrees since you know it a lot what yeah so it's a club of college students where we give advice to nonprofits and other socially minded um businesses around the world mm-hmm. and Every semester, you get staffed on one project, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Uh, so we've worked on environmental sustainability projects in the past, educational initiatives. We've worked with uh, women's hygiene centers in Philadelphia, which was pretty cool. Uh, a, broad, a broad array of interesting projects. Um, at one point, also consulting director for 20 Degrees Consulting. Wow. I was really involved in overseeing the projects. I was a consulting partner in the sense that I reached out to the clients myself. I cold emailed a bunch of them and then mm-hmm. converted them to paying clients. Um, and yeah, that was, that was a super informative and enlightening experience that uh, I'm super glad to have experienced. And then on the other hand, just to shed some color on other activities I did, I uh, for more short-term things, I did a pen Symphony for two years right. as a cellist. Yeah. Um, just, you know, It was fun. Uh, after a while this got a little too intense the conductor a lot of commitment before. right what a lot of yeah commitment. a lot of kind The conductor really wanted us to perform up to standards and because i didn't really practice i mean i, pra- I practiced maybe once or twice a semester right you sound like trash and it's probably my fault um so i decided to let that go as part of the Penn Ag- educational club which was fun for a while it's just that my role wasn't really clearly defined i wasn't really doing anything Besides researching a couple of niches here and there and right. doing a little bit of call banking, but I didn't feel like I was really contributing much. So I, I slowly let that go, even though I really do appreciate education. I was part of working wellness for a couple semesters. So that was a new club mm-hmm. where we try to create a more, uh, create more awareness for mental wellness, uh, as well as work with the um, administration, the actual Uh, Dean of the school to, um, spearhead these, uh, wellness initiatives, like Mm -hmm. on the standardizing test banks, um, making sure that people had study breaks, but also like long-term health, like having a school special therapist, which they actually did, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So that was a lot of work though. And I felt like it was conflicting with my other obligations. So I also had to let that go, even though I I tried to rejoin later, but, um, I don't think it was uh, meant to be just because it was such a huge obligation. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, as someone who tries to do everything at at some point you start to break down and you have to let it go. Um, Mm -hmm. So those were some of the obligations that I wish I kind of had the bandwidth to accommodate, but I just didn't. Um, Yeah, so the main ones that I had were 180 degrees consulting uh, and then, oh, the research club. So I ended up, heading that as the uh, vice president. So basically there, I helped connect the center of undergraduate research and fellowships mm-hmm. with the broader student population of all of Penn, right? For sure. So I created a career fair for Penn students. Um, I also did all of these panels with uh, interesting offers from Penn who, who wrote these interesting books, Right, uh, which was pretty exciting, yeah. Yeah, I remember you gave me like some free books from those events, so. Those yeah, are absolutely, great. so yeah, we have all these crazy speakers come in, like Sally Mandela, right. Microsoft. Okay, you don't have the flexibility. Yeah, yeah, we had <laughs> uh, Richard Branson come for That's a bit. Cool. Uh, yeah, it, it's kind of crazy um, how Penn supports these research initiatives and just want their students to really engage and think critically. Um, yeah. But yeah, those were some activities I got That's really nice. involved with. Uh, in a leadership position um, and left, some level left a legacy on. <laughs> That's exciting. And like, I guess, why did you decide to continue in those organizations and how have those experiences shaped like what you decided to do for your career? Like now working at like PwC or I guess like, how did that contribute to you finding, you know, your next step beyond college? That's for a good your- question. I think had the biggest impact in terms of telling me what I liked and what I didn't like too. Because some of our projects were finance related and I really didn't like those because it was very detail oriented. I felt like it was kind of superficial in terms of impact. right? And it felt pretty low touch in terms of the uh, work I was having. But I really liked the projects where I was facing the clients and giving them my recommendations uh, directly for instance one project that comes to mind would be the operation small one which is the one i talk to i talk about all the time it's, it's our model project um but basically we had a really close relationship. i would say as a project leader for that operation Smile endeavor, i became right. almost friends with the client um who are marketing managers for um their fundraising efforts in the u.s which is what, cool. what does like operation smile do for the people that aren't familiar with that organization yeah, so Operation Smile deals with cleft lip surgery across the world. They pay for doctors to go out and conduct these surgeries. So cleft lip is where your lip is split in half, right, right. here, mm-hmm. um, right? The cleft lip, like cut in kind of half, and right. then they they sew it together uh, through a surgical procedure. Um, and then Operation Smile finances that and provides resources for that, which is pretty cool. Saves thousands of lives across the world. Um, so yeah, we helped them with their fundraising efforts across US college campuses because um, they, they realized that college students like ourselves are becoming more and more vocal about uh, these social issues. And they figured that they'd be able to uh, mobilize the college population in terms of uh, their fundraising efforts. So that's where they brought us on as consultants to develop a strategic plan for how they would uh, maximize their fundraising college campuses um but like, i really enjoyed that project right uh, as right. a takeaway we uh compiled all of her findings about best fundraising practices and a the manual they liked it so much they invited right. back to present to the board mm-hmm. um i really enjoyed the process of talking to them on a weekly basis and directing right. them with other consultants uh-huh. thinking critically about what drivers there are in successful fundraising uh, right yeah and at that point me towards consulting that's why i'm doing consulting as a first job i don't know if it will be a good fit but i i know it's a definitely a good direction to take yeah you know? no definitely um i think that's interesting like your viewpoint um for me i think the reason why one of the reasons why i joined a consulting club was after talking to you i don't know if you remember this like i was a freshman at berkeley and i was right, like hey right. nathan like what how was your experience at 180 like do you think it'd be a good experience for me i remember you telling me like you know, it's very exciting and you get to like make a, a real meaningful impact on, you know, society as just like as a young college student. So that was why That's I lovely. joined, you know, my consulting organization, which is like the Berkeley group, which is similar to yours where they, they do like pro bono consulting. But to like, I guess, juxtapose your experience with mine, it, it made me realize I didn't want to do consulting, but like not in a bad way like for me it's a me, redirection i would it's say. a redirection right it's like great work and it's very exciting but for me like we consulted for some like really great organizations like do you know what Tor is yeah yeah like Tor, like it provides like anonymous routing for you know journalists you know activists etc cetera, etc cetera, that need to like anonymize their internet activities so that they don't get like killed right or you know or worse so like working on those like high impact issues with a group of other motivated students I think the the key thing in my experience that was really great was like the community I don't know about you I know a lot of your close friends are from 180 and like a lot of your close mentors are from 180 and I had a similar experience uh, where I had a lot of like great mentors and people like I look up to still to this day and still reach out to um for like any sort of support or like professional guidance or like emotional guidance, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think surrounding yourself with very motivated people is very important early on in your career or not career, really early on in your like college experience so that, you know, you maintain that sort of like ambition and drive instead of being, you know, complacent, for example. Um, Yeah, yeah, more specifically like consulting, right? right? I was just really tired of slide decking. And like writing all these proposals and i wanted like like for software engineering you get to like build things and you could see the like the client's reaction like you can say like oh my customers really like this product like like at etsy right when i was working at etsy which is you know e-commerce site for you know local businesses um i was able to create something and see like oh two million people use my product and like two hundred thousand more people used it the next week, or et cetera. Et cetera. Like that's super exciting. Yeah, yeah. While so like for consulting, it's a little bit like a step back, but like it's high touch. It's I would really say cool. it's high yeah. touch versus very you know uh, not not low touch, but right. just closer to the to the end yeah. product. So I like to position a consulting versus software development on, on a scale uh, of the project timeline, right? So at the beginning, right. you have the whole strategy part. That's the consulting sphere where uh-huh. you're deciding. What kind of product you want to make and why? What's the business use case for this product or service? That's where the consultants, the strategy consultants step in. Then you right. have the analytics that you use to validate your hypotheses about what would right. be the best products. And then once per you perception. have that down, you have the product managers that step in, design the product specifications. Mm-hmm. Then you have the um, engineers who create the product themselves. Right. Uh, I think they're all super valuable along all no, these for three. Sure categories here. um, I personally found the first to be more interesting. Um, But like you, I also do like implementing things. Um, So luckily for me, I am specifically a technology consultant. So I am working closely with development, um, software development, sorry, my laptop's dying here. I'm going to plug it in. Um, So I have both client-facing responsibilities, but I also and working directly with the product, which is nice. Yeah, so I guess it's like, outcomes. Get like those two. Uh, it's a little bit of balance um, mm-hmm. more tactical than I expected because like I thought it'd be in a peer strategy role, but uh, can't complain. It's it's a trade-off, uh, it's a balancing, uh, balancing right. act. Uh, with consulting, like you mentioned, it's a lot of slide decking just because it's high touch communication. You want to make sure that your audience is engaged mostly visually, you're presenting usually to the more senior executives or uh, senior leadership, right? And of course, they want to hear the story. They want to understand the whole context behind the recommendations that you're making as a consultant. And for you, I know it's a little bit frustrating not to be able to go a step further and implement that, but that's just the nature of consulting. Um, Though I have to say that the consulting space as a whole is gravitating more towards implementation these days. It's yeah. becoming less of a boundary and more of a end-to-end process. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in the, in the past, it would just be like, peer strategy would be like, oh, here's a slide deck on 10 reasons why you should expand to this geography or make this product. Now it's just like, all right, here are those reasons, but also here's the product. Right. Right. So the more end-to-end delivery these days. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely really interesting. And for you, I know that you already like have a job, right? And getting yeah. to that step is very difficult, I think, for a lot of college students. Right. So I was curious especially now to hear more about your thoughts about, I guess, recruitment. I don't want to talk about this too much because it's like not, not that interesting. But yeah. I do want to talk about, you know, the culture around it. I remember you know, seeing all these LinkedIn posts about people like flexing, like in my space, like software engineering. I got got an internship at Google. I got an internship at Facebook or like I got this job at Facebook and Google. Very big tech um, job, yeah. Yeah, which is really exciting if they're in your network, right? You're like, wow, that's so awesome for my friend. But like when it's like someone that you don't know and you keep on getting inundated with these like updates, you're like, oh, I feel so bad about myself. Right, right. You, you can't help but uh, feel insecure yeah. about yourself. But they have to keep in mind that social media is designed to right filter out bad stuff. It's most like ninety percent of the content you see is just people bragging about themselves, True. for better or worse. <laughs> yeah, uh, which at least on LinkedIn irritating. specifically. Yeah, or LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. it's. it's I guess good. how do you you know maintain your sanity like throughout this recruitment process? Because uh, like for software engineering, right? A lot of my close friends actually that's a lie a few of my close friends are like software engineers so like they are also recruiting for the same position and right. i think inherently there's always going to be some sort of jealousy or some sort of competition amongst your peers right and, and Absolutely. how do you you know i guess you know i guess go get get around that you know that issue that i think is just inherent in you know competitive college students like how do you get around you know, this sort of jealousy, you know, or you know, I guess to frame it in a better way, just like uh just a lot like a lot of ambitious and motivated people. Like, how do you like you know get around all that recruitment, you know, stress? That's a good question. And it's definitely true that there's a lot of stress, and you can't help but feel envious if say your classmate gets the job that you also applied for and weren't right. able to get. Yeah. Um. And it makes it, it makes it feel even worse if you think that perhaps you're, you're a little more qualified. Yeah, more right. Qualified. But you have to yeah. keep in mind that at the end of the day, there's two things to keep in mind. One is that interviewing is a numbers game, like you mentioned. For these really competitive jobs, there's just aren't enough slots. There's more qualified right. people than there are slots for these qualified people. So right. of course, there's yeah. going to be qualified people who don't make the final cut. Um, and it's possible that you yourself may fall in, into that category as well if you get that rejection. Um, secondly, I think interviewing is an imperfect, flawed process. I agree. 100%. So, for instance, you are it's really hard to get a full sense of how someone's going to perform in a job. Right. There's a lot of HR research that indicates that the best way of assessing how someone's going to do in a job interview is finding out about their past performance, but quantifying that Standardizing that, comparing that against other candidates is really difficult for organizations. I definitely agree with that. Um, For instance, a most qualified candidate for AI job might be an English major, but with a standard HR algorithm, they're going to filter out the educations and immediately discount the English major, even though they can be the best fit for that. ridiculous, yeah. Uh, Which which is kind of a shame. And even in the interview process, just because you don't have the technical know-how, you might get knocked out Mm. of a first-round or second-round interview just because... Of that uh, technical know-how, which is a barrier entry and sometimes unfair for, for the candidates themselves. Right. Um. So so keeping those two considerations in mind has made things a bit better. Um. Because mm-hmm. I know for myself speaking, like I I've been rejected from jobs and seen other people get jobs. Yeah. Uh, and ha- having that like okay. little tinge of jealousy, you know, that's just natural. It's a human reaction. Um, yeah. But yeah. then you know you have to think critically. It's like okay, uh, one, it's, it's a really competitive process. Yeah. Like you're competing in the pool. Like Penn students are just generally very intelligent, very, sure. yeah, very polished at interviewing. So when you're competing against right. that type of caliber students, you have to give yourself some uh, forgiveness. Um, and definitely also, you have to keep really in right. mind yeah. third and finally um, that the majority of people don't get the jobs that they dream of, right? And that's that's just natural. That's totally true, yeah. um, like I'm, I'm grateful for my job, um, but I have to be honest, like it's definitely not like my dream job, right? Um, so I think it's also that, a little bit dangerous to have. This notion of a dream job—that's my hot take. No, I think it's fine to aspire, but you have to be. So I, I think aspiring is good, but like, I feel like at a high level, like most people are like you're, you're kind of just like a cog of a machine. Like if you're working <laughs> for like a big company, just to be honest, like I don't, that's I don't true. know, if no, that's I'm like necessarily like fine. aspirational, but I, I, I think it's a good goal to work for those big companies to you know find yourself and learn those. No, important it's only if it's a good fit, right? Like I them. work yeah. better for a large company where I have right. clear hierarchy, clear order. Yeah, if that's part of the culture, I'd be totally right. That's because that's, of my personal point. point. I know for you, yeah. you're more uh, flexible, more creative, yeah. and more, more oh, free-spirited, okay. right? Don't you don't want to work for a big that. corporation. You uh, actually care about social values, whereas I'm just like, still it out, right? So yeah. I don't mind working for a structured corporation. Um, but for, for those in my category, right, who are looking for the structured corporations, when you're going for those type of types of um, really competitive jobs, um, yeah, you're obviously yeah. going to be expiring for a, for a few selective companies. Um, yeah, yeah. I got lucky to get into like PwC, like that's PwC pretty much ready. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's plenty of other ones uh, as well that are really selective to get Yeah, they do, people don't get into as well. And, and fourth and finally, just to return back to my earlier point, yeah, you also have to think about where you're at in the moment and then realize that ninety percent of of your peers like in the world are not in your same position right right um in terms of yeah, having your a privilege good yeah good college i'm assuming or even attending college in the first place it it, is that is thing. yeah a huge step yeah and also um people always get fixated on the notion of having like the perfect first job i think that's pretty flawed everyone's journey i agree with is that different and your your career is going to be all over the place right mm-hmm. and what matters most um it's not being yourself up, but also just like continuing to grow, maintain that growth mindset and ensuring that you don't, um, don't stagnate as you go into your job. Um, cause for me personally, like I was definitely like sad because like I had a, a bunch of companies, right? Like big tech companies and like, yeah, other, other consulting. Sure there, did. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as, as you okay. know, um, I had interviews for all of them too. Uh, but yeah, of course, yeah, you can't control yeah. what happens in the interview itself, how you're right. viewed by your interviewers. Uh, all you can do is prepare the best you could. And I knew I prepared very well for them. I right. did hundreds of cases. For instance, I did dozens of mock interviews for right. tech. And you put in all that work, and I, I think that's an yeah, important so point to, to you know uh, recognize go. that as well. So if you're an applicant, right. right, like say you're in the position I was as a junior or senior, but like the mm-hmm. position that you're in. Um, you have to recognize the work that you put in and you have to realize sure. that it does translate into real outcomes even though you don't have the intended outcome that you wanted mm-hmm. to get right yeah. and you have to be grateful too yeah um and just keep on moving on three no that's definitely a great point and i think um one of my mentors told me um a little bit a little while ago once like i got my you know etsy internship um and i i told him like my honest shit like hey man I got rejected from like my top choice of freshman year. And at that time, it's not my first choice now because um, of other reasons, but my first choice at that time was big tech Google. And I was like, that prestige, building a search engine, so exciting, Google Maps, all that amazing stuff. And they have amazing products, right? Um, I I had an interview with Google in in freshman year and I was very excited. I thought I, you know, I prepared really hard for it, et cetera, et cetera. But then I just got rejected because they asked me about this algorithm that I didn't know and I was very sad. (laughs) but, um, I told him about that. And he said, Ethan, that, that doesn't matter. What matters is like the process you went through, you know, you, you took steps to, you know, prepare for those interviews. You took steps to improve your resume, improve your cover letter. Um, you, you did all these steps and those steps will help you with whatever goals you have in the future and for your professional success and also for your happiness, right? Having that sort of drive and that work ethic is what is going to lead you to you know, your next success or, you know, like a higher level of happiness. And I, I, th- and I thought that was like a really great And something that you kind of hit on is you really have to focus on the process, not necessarily the result, because the result is sometimes out of your control. Sometimes they're, they only have like a certain amount of slots. Right. Or like in, in a general scheme of things, you know, stuff happens like out of your control, like freak freak, like events happens. Right. And then like,
1: you can't yeah, control absolutely. That. Yeah, you, you just, just gotta focus on what
0: you did, right? And you know, you, you can learn so much from that, and you shouldn't discount. Yeah, you um, should be proud of the be proud. efforts and the works that you put into preparing for interviews. For instance, I was a little butthurt when when we <laughs> applied to that Apple PM. Oh, let's not talk about <laughs> that. Wait, wait, that's so funny. Oh, we can talk about this. So, uh we both applied to this apple siri pm we both had interviews technically yeah and we both like did like the take-home assignment which is the first step and um with my consulting experience my limited consulting experience i was like dude i'll just deck this stuff and make a pdf and i thought mine was like really trash and then nathan's was like really good like i like looked at nathan's i was like wow this is a really good idea um not to get into the details but like in general, like his idea was like pretty revolutionary. Like it made sense in the scope of things and whatever. Like in our current situation, yeah, but also um, it probably wasn't in the technical language. Yeah, and like my anymore. thing, my thing is, I just took. A, <laughs> I talked a lot about like, uh, like um, how it would like be released, like the product release cycle. Like, I talked a lot about like, um, like teamwork and stuff, not necessarily about the product necessarily, and um, I talked a lot about like privacy since I know a lot about that based on like my consulting experience um and Nathan got rejected he didn't get an interview and I got an interview which was really funny because I have no PM experience and I and I would say that Nathan is 10 times smarter than me and 10 times more qualified no, no, no. so don't, don't say that anyways I, that I failed I-, I failed the interview uh which was a little bit you know upsetting but um it was a great learning lesson realizing yeah, like form of experience, you know, how difficult PM like... interviews are <laughs> no then um, I realized then it's not uh, okay PM and consulting are different. And consulting, consulting, right. like the proposal I wrote would be fantastic. It ha- tells a coherent story. Exactly, it tells like using why. the MISI framework, right? Mutually exclusive. No, that, that's <laughs> not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like the storytelling. For sure. Of it. So, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. for instance, wrote all the reasons why it would make a lot of sense to Yeah, it made a ton user, of sense when I read it. Talked about the benefits, whereas yeah. what they're looking for was more uh, more technical in terms of like Ethan mentioned the product release cycle. Yeah looking for like the technical stuff like how, how they would validate your, your yeah. idea test it your yeah. data <laughs> right that kind data of stuff I didn't know that data. but I learned after I got rejected yeah, it, it was, it was, was a thought good thought experience too like honestly it's a great program and you know like being part of it would have probably been a great step for a career but for me I realized like um I, I was really blessed because it would put make me put me in a very difficult situation like I think software engineering is the best fit for me in my current yeah. place in life right absolutely. Like, I, I think, I think is- like honestly like i love programming and like building things from scratch and just like
1: your programming you know, is giving really fun
0: to, yeah give me two yeah you're learning programming too i know we talked about right. this but like I'm, it's really TA, amazing so i get to see yeah. how other people program and it's really right. interesting yeah. because programming is like english in a sense that you're able to freely yeah. express it's yourself it's like you're writing something you're like it's so it's so awesome it's like right? a different language yeah and like I think like programming is a superpower, right? You can do so much good with it. Like it's insane like the amount of applications you have for it. Um, Absolutely. so anyways, like that 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 failure, so to speak or like that rejection. Yeah, no, no I ha- I've had countless failures. Really? Like that that like that that was helpful, right? And then Absolutely. It's definitely formative and, and yeah. instructional for sure. And like talking more about rejection since I've been rejected by a lot, right? Um, right. Let's talk more about I guess, you know, I think we talked a lot about, you know, our professional growth and hit on a lot of great topics. Let's talk a little bit more about, I guess, like our, our personal growth, right? I think that's more important than like our professional life, just to be honest. Well, like, I argue like, that it depends on who you are as a person. Depends right? on who you are. That, that's a good point too. Like, right? like or me, I thought, I think it depends on your stage of life as well. Yeah. I guess, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But let's talk about personal, right? I, I know like you've had, you know, your ups and downs, <laughs> In college okay. like i know you were like really stressed out in certain points and s- same with me but like for berkeley it's mostly down because berkeley is really hard but uh <laughs> yeah. we talked about this but i guess how do you um how do you manage stress and how do you find your source of happiness or how did you discover it if you have found it i don't know if you have but yeah, yeah that's a good question i think Coping a stress comes down to finding things that you enjoy and value. Mm -hmm. For instance, I know that as a, as a, uh, as an individual, I really value quality time since with friends and family. So when I'm feeling stress, um, I, I, you know, reach out to my best friends and see if we can just like chill and talk. Uh, Am I your best friend? What? Am I your best friend? I guess well, by definition, you're my brother and best friend. So I suppose you fall nice. into the category. Um, but by definition, just because you're my brother, you you are not, you know. You don't have a choice. I don't really have a choice, dude. It's is you know, it is what it is. Um, so we're not estranged anywhere. That's good. <laughs> yeah, we're not estranged. We were estranged a year ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We can bad. talk about that later. But um, um is that a yeah, the only stress comes down to yeah, quality of dying with friends for me because I'm extroverted. Um so I derive right. a lot of energy from other people right uh, i like talking out with other people yeah and then also just like personal hobbies like if i don't want to talk to someone say i just want to be by myself then i go running um so wow. i remember sophomore year i was just going through probably the worst time of my college career everything was falling apart my grades were terrible True. and by terrible i mean i was getting below b minuses in all my classes which is pretty rough um that's well below average uh and then extracurricular wise i was completely overloaded because at that point right, i had right. joined all the clubs i joined freshman year like i talked about yeah. earlier yeah like, yeah people were yelling at me like my project leaders like why are you missing your meetings yeah. like why is your deliverables right garbage i'm like i remember seeing that on instagram I someone called you out on it i was kind of laughing
1: yeah everyone's, <laughs> everyone's like, where are you
0: i was like good question where am i <laughs> oh yeah that's deep <laughs> yeah yeah and at, at that point i was just like also doing like relationship problems but then Oh yeah, relationship, yeah. right, right. Running, so I decided to Exercise, you know, aspire right. towards running a marathon because at that point, before that, for context, I was a high school sprinter. I was pretty oh, speedy. We should but talk about high school this, but yeah. Yeah. So what I did was I, I set a goal for myself. It was like, all right, I'm going to, um, I'm just going to run a marathon or run races until i'm able to run a full marathon um this has showed i'm strong you know and that i can you know uh, accomplish anything i want uh right. and that, that for me like really helped with dealing with all those losses and with um all that stress uh so i had that like daily almost daily run or weekly run uh that helped take my mind off of things and just make me feel better about myself right to get the adrenaline going and then i also had the races so I start off with five Ks, then I had 10Ks, half marathons, then a full marathon. Mm-hmm. And by incrementally working on that physical well-being, I was able to accomplish my goal for any marathon, my junior year, finally, uh, which was pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, but that to me yeah. is how I deal with stress. Um uh, but also this like long-term failures. It's like finding opportunities in areas that I can like really excel in and then just yeah, saying as a goal and doing it. I, I do have to add on like running is very life-changing like I, I just started running like three weeks ago after I had like hella stress from yeah. my CS courses like I'm taking an operating, you, yeah. operating, yeah, all operating all systems all class and it's so stressful but um anyways like I started running and I felt like I, I was out of breath like within mile one and I just stopped but like <laughs> that was the, that was the first step and then the next day I was like okay I gotta do it again and I yeah. was like 1.5 miles etc 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 and like now i'm like running you know consistently a lot more and it's like very very you know very like rejuvenating it's, it's soothing sense. it's cathartic it also has and like you can think a lot on your run too and i think that's really important to like take a step back from the computer or whatever you have going on and just like go on a run and just think about you know life and like whatever, you don't even have whatever, to listen you know. to music or listen to podcasts yeah, i don't i don't like listening to things like it, it's too heavy on my head but sometimes i listen to podcasts so that i <laughs> you know you become a little bit more educated yeah, feel productive <laughs> yeah i feel a little bit more productive so you're kind of or like a workaholic so to speak yeah a workaholic so you work even when you're supposed to not be working but yeah yeah i, I want to like talk about you know high school really quickly right so sure. like i know the cliche is like how did you get into such a good school right like warden is the number one business school for people that you know Arguably. Um, it's it's the hardest school to get into, yes, um, and it's very you know competitive <laughs> yeah. and prestigious, in my eyes and to a lot oh, of other you. people's that. eyes. Um, and there's also like a lot of amazing people. I know like I've met like Nathan's like best friend like Jessica and she's like super cool. Like I met like a lot of Nathan's friends and they're like super super awesome. So I want to talk about like I know a lot of listeners probably will click on this because um, you you go to Warden, so. I guess like how did you you know get there and did you know early on in high school that you wanted to attend warden like like how did you you know get to a step where you applied to Warden early decision right that's a great question so that goes back to my call (laughs) i guess it goes back to the um, summer programs i did so i did a bunch of them because i was just curious so I did MET launch, which was a business program. I did LBW, which was another summer program at Penn. And that's when I realized I really oh, like yeah, Yeah, because yeah. The... Yeah, I got Very to interact with the professors there. Mm-hmm. I got to know a couple of my future classmates, just because that class, that uh, summer program tends to be a funnel towards Penn itself. Right but After spending a summer that's on it. campus, having classes, interacting with professors, meeting some potential classmates, I really um, felt like I was at home, right? And I, I could envision right. myself staying next four years there. So that's where I decided yeah. uh, I knew that also having LBW on my college application would be a little be, yeah. because yeah. I would have a firsthand insider's perspective on what it's like to actually be there. Um, so I can make yeah. a compelling argument for why I would fit in. Um, so that's and I'm why. so happy you like went to that program. I I don't know necessarily you would have like gone to, Penn I wouldn't have applied didn't. otherwise. Yeah, if honest. you didn't, went to, I, I think it was very lucky. Um, in the yeah, I definitely would apply to another school. Um, just because, um, I, w- I would say like Penn doesn't have like a huge name recognition, though in business they do. Business they do. Um, <laughs> outside business, they don't really have a large presence, to be honest. Um, yeah, so it's a small it's like a small like every Ivy League is pretty small so yeah it's, it's like a specialized team um, yeah. and so it really depends and then and then also I, I think like let's let's take it a step even further back right I, I think like for us right I think like traditionally we've found success in, in 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 a really interesting way like we were raised by you know two like two parents right that were like also very driven right like right. let's talk about that right early on in our childhood right right i was really bad at school <laughs> i like i got like bad grades in elementary school and you got really good grades right and i always found it interesting okay, yeah i got average dude you know like uh so in our elementary school like hardy school um the way that they that's way you, too early I, I didn't really <laughs> yeah, on yeah this like, is really really we, we got we throwing it way dude, back yeah. it was like out of five right and like my okay. interpersonal skills were like a three, bro. And you kept like getting fives, and you're like, "Sorry, Ethan." Well, like that's really because shy. you're an engineer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm an engineer. Engineer. Like I was an introverted uh, from the start, yeah, right. and then um, but anyways, like I, I remember mom, you know, still like never never giving up. me. I, I feel like a lot of parents would have like given up on us. Yeah, we so were lucky, and that's yeah, like we're very very lucky, but we also felt a lot of pressure from our parents. So let's talk about you know like the tiger well, not, mom. Well, the depends. I feel like mom dad- high school, high school wasn't like that bad, but like most- Yeah, they, they stepped tough. on the gas like when younger, which I think is definitely- Which the was right. like kind of like a big brain move, honestly. Yeah, which is the right approach, right? And you want to step off gas later. Which yeah, yeah and then cool. like high school, they let us do our thing, which was really great. Except that they thought that you weren't doing anything, so they stepped on the gas for you, which was not the right approach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like, like starting like in middle school, right? I remember, let's talk about like the programs we did, like- we didn't yeah. choose to do this like just to be honest yeah we like, did all these science programs since the middle mom enrolled us into like My cty program, right and, and that's program. like a center for talented youth at john hopkins which is just like an educational program like any mooc out there but paid and like we yeah, learned a lot about english they- and stuff yeah and like math yeah, and we were true. like light years ahead for those courses which honestly paved us to like do well in high school right yeah, yeah, not really. to flex or anything, but because of CTY and all, like, the Russian School of Math stuff. Russian School of Math. Being at one point, yeah. at one point, I'm now, like, at par in math, but I was four years ahead in math at one right. point. Like, bonkers to think about. Yeah, and you, like, skipped a bunch. of Yeah, and then you took, like, AP Calc or, like, those was, exams really early yeah. in high school, which was yeah. insane. Um, Yeah, but, like, I, I think... I'm not, like, like, smart or anything. It's just that... Yeah, you're not you're that smart. Yeah, programs. You know. No, it's just... I have hard work ethic. I would say I'm moderately intelligent, but not a genius yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. I just yeah. work really hard. And I think that was instilled in me at a very young age by my parents. I yeah. yeah. signed up for all these different programs, seeing which types of interests I latch onto. So for me, it's like cello, yeah. track. Um, Wait, yeah, and also math. I definitely agree with that. That's why I stuck onto it. I guess I English too, later on. Um, yeah. And then for you, uh, I Whereas think for you, it was yeah. a little different. Like, you yeah. also went through the same things, but those never stuck with you, right? Like, violin. Yeah. violin. Uh, really not math, you, you, didn't, you didn't really math, like. Uh, yeah. You hated math. English, you didn't really like either. Yeah. Shit, which, kind of true. I think it's interesting. Like, mom did the same strategy. Like, you were the guinea pig. Like, like she just yeah, so like, because it worked super for me, super hard, hard on you. you. Yeah. But the problem is for... It really didn't work on me, yeah. People, you're introverted. You're much more creative. And a much better program obviously than I am turns into your ability to craft these comprehensive solutions yeah I Um, I think like I think like both of us it was like very lucky because like mom and also dad would just like enroll us into like a shit ton of programs like like every basketball league for me like because I really like sports like basketball like baseball you know name everything like volleyball like all these different amazing programs um and, like, all, all these, like, math programs, right? All these camps, all these, like, science camps, um, all these different things. So, like, we, like, literally did everything except maybe lacrosse. I think mom considered enrolling us in cr- lacrosse, but then she was, like, nah, it's too expensive. Yeah, same with golf. We, yeah. did do, uh, golf. Actually, no, we did Wait, do golf. Wait, you were pretty good flooding. at golf, yeah. We did a floating lesson. Yeah. and I'm, then, not, I'm not that good at golf. Yeah, and then I realized, like, looking back and, like, after talking to mom, mom, like, didn't really know what she was doing. Like, she was just kind of yellowing it. Cause like mom and dad um, came money, to right? yeah they came to money America money with listen to these exorcists yeah like they like they came into Boston right with um, like a decent job but like they were this this was their first time in America and and right. this is their first time like raising children in America and they didn't really know how the system worked and I I don't know how they figured it out but i i i remember talking to mom Mom was like yeah i just talked to a bunch of people and like you know mom mom is like very charming um you know with parents and stuff yeah she would just like ask around ask around and like find all these opportunities for us and i feel really blessed for that Um, yeah we are definitely very 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 blessed um i realized also economically it was like a huge strain on our parents like they invested so much money Early on in our, yeah, you know, no, like if you, if you compute it uh, out, I'm guessing yeah. they spent like two million or it was ridiculous. And and mom also worked like three jobs too, if you remember at one point, like in our childhood, yeah, like exactly. she would do three yeah. parts insane, like 80 hours or something. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, that that is also something that I think you know, you know, something I think about. Like, I, I can't, yeah, can't there's, be there's complacent a certain level you know? of guilt, but you know, it's it is yeah, like, I don't know if it's healthy, but yeah. Um. yeah Yeah, i I think that was interesting hypothetically like if i had kids i would want to have the same approach right like you really like step on the gas (laughs) sign them up for all these programs right not not force them to do it Not force them if they're they're not down like after like a month they're not down for like after like a couple months or so Then it's like yes chill but the point is you have to find out what your interests are earlier on earlier to better um you know yeah because your brain is changing right and you you want exactly i mean it can change as time goes on right like i'm not as involved with cello and math anymore like but still it's come to foundation even as a like fledgling adult at this point right yeah and and like let's talk about middle school right I, i think like um mom hit the gas on that one like we had to get like straight a's right like do yeah. do you think that pressure was you know tough on you I, for me it was really tough like I wasn't really like big sad but like I was like definitely very stressed out <laughs> as a middle yes, schooler yeah. I remember I remember like telling my teachers like how can I get an A I was like in sixth grade like I, I don't think that's normal <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly um this you know always having to strive for perfection that was that was pretty tough right which is not necessarily helpful I, I feel like. I think later we've learned like to adjust to like more of a growth and like learning from like accepting that you know sometimes we fail some areas you're not as strong a- at right yeah. Like for me i really struggle with chemistry i oh, don't let's not talk about that. i also really did not like statistics oh interesting in high school right like oh with um like our ap stats course with well um, i, I sold it well just because it was like easy but like yeah it was, as yeah. a subject i struggled with that in middle school what did i struggle with uh, I think I struggled a lot with, um, I struggled a lot with like history. Just because it, was, it wasn't like English, right? Like where you could be more creative and stuff and make up stuff. Right. You but still have history, to like follow like, some super sort of formula. And like super yeah. detail oriented. Yeah. And like I'm careful, but I'm not like absolutely detail oriented. So I got penalized a lot for that. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I get the point. Like you're, you're trying to make people more, you know, uh, more detail oriented, but. Yeah. As a middle school, I, I was just big sad, yeah. Right, yeah. And then like, and oh, also, I mean, like, we're, we were, be like, be hitting this? puberty. I guess I mean some dumb. Yeah. I just don't know the past. Also, uh-huh. like, in middle school, we were hitting puberty. So, like, that's also, like, a huge point of growth and insecurity for, like, yeah, for, little, little you know, boys. Right. I, and, and I think, like, let's, like, talk about high school now. And, and like, I think mom, like, kind of, like, didn't hit on the gas after that because, like, I feel like both of us were, like, really stressed out in high school. Yeah, there's and, no point. I think Wilson yeah. High School was absolutely bonkers in terms of the amount of pressure. <laughs> it's so much they, they pressure. Changed, yeah. Apparently, they've capped the number of APs, I believe. They pushed back to school start yeah, time. Mental health is you like know, seven every very, day. Yeah. Even though I went to bed at 2 30 the night before, I would be sleep deprived, miserable, and grumpy for right. the whole school day. I remember like, I would take naps during lunch, I skip class and take naps. Yeah. Frequently. Oh, oh, let's t- let's talk about that. That's yeah, really that, that's really fun. Like, yeah, I I started closed the loophole, but yeah, closed loophole now. But I would always skip class. Wait, I, I would. i would the same. Impossible to skip class. Wait, this this is so bad. I'm but- just like, yeah, I'm tired, teacher, and it's because I stay up late trying to complete assignment. And for my yeah. mental well being, I need to sleep, so I just but get it's a true, like mental health, though, is very important. But like, we just kind of took advantage of it. I like in high school. I remember, like, for the classes I cared about, like computer science, math, and science, I would skip my English class and I would go directly to nurse. And the nurse is like, we're homies. Like, she's super nice. I'd be like, hey man, I, like I'm I actually that like, Hell is that they, right they now. know what we're up to. Like, and, and and they're the like, class they're class like, yeah, cool. it's, fine. it's fine, it's fine. Like, there's a bed right now. It's just just take a nap for one hour before your test for math. So so I would always take a nap like for a class where i didn't have an assignment due or a test due and that's the only way i was able to like get good like decent grades so and then it yeah. closed the loophole uh which i think yeah, is and it, and it, it kind of made a recent choice of pushing back school to 8 30 instead of like yeah
1: <laughs> having, wait, we uh, had to
0: wake up at 8 a.m that's ridiculous nah, no no we didn't get up there. at 7 dude or 7 a.m to like get there yeah that was those that was nuts <laughs> Yeah, I was that was not night. I don't wake up that early. I probably will never wake up that early, but yeah, um, even for work day, even these days, like I don't do that. 9 a.m. is the earliest, I think, for work day for me. Yeah, you know, I would what? probably like for my 9 a.m. stars, I would get up regularly at around like eight, the earliest, right? Yeah, and, and I, I think, like, uh, let's talk more about like Wallsey High School, right? Um, I think its culture is really great, honestly. I, I I thought my time at Wellesley High School was, you know, pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I uh, think it was really good. Like they, they okay, had like I a thought, lot of great. Yeah, why don't you activities. talk about your reasons for uh I think your unorthodox path to college. Oh, yeah. Well right, I, spent okay. like two I had years, a very traditional path. I spent I two years, years at Wellesley right. High School and then I I moved to California, <laughs> basically. Uh but yeah. um yeah, I I'll talk about it a little bit, but um, you were there for me for most of the part, and it was, like, really hard, but... I was mean as a kid, but, like, in yeah, high no, school... No, you were but... really nice in high school, but, like, let's talk about it. This is really important, but it touches on, like, mental health and also physical health. So... Cultural things. that Cultural things ahead. as well. Yeah, so... In freshman year, uh, in the end of freshman year, I had symptoms for Lyme disease, and I didn't know at the time, Um, and basically, I thought I was just, like, very uh bad at school like I just didn't have enough energy I was like okay this is on right, me right. I just gotta run you know play volleyball like get really fit or whatever um but yeah I, I had Lyme disease so I didn't know that for like a year or like half a year and then I missed like most of the school yeah I had to like take medication whatever whatever um so yeah anyways so after I recovered from Lyme right throughout that process I became like really really depressed because um I think I had two friends like christian and alex who reached out yeah, to yeah, 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 me and then like none of my other friends would reach out like you you know who i'm talking about right yeah and, i know i know like, and uh, i was like very you know that, uh, very that could... uh, depressing and also another thing that happened was um Cotel, right in sophomore year uh like our dance right uh yeah. i asked out a girl right um yeah where i was asking her out as a favor as a friend because yeah. like she didn't have a date and she, we right. agreed on it. And she got really upset at my sign. And do you know what my sign, what sign was? What was it? My sign was just, like, asking her out in Latin because we both took Latin. Yeah. Well, she was just she really asked- u- upset because it was, like, oh, it wasn't, like, high effort enough or whatever. And I was, like, what's, like, we're not even, like, interested in each other. Why does it have to be high effort? We're going as friends, right? Um. So, yeah, anyways, like, that happened. And then there was, like, beef between me. And, like, we are, like, the two, like, you know, like, two key parts of our friend group. And then basically our friend group broke off. Yeah, I actually, I remember, I, I never knew it was about the sign. I thought it was because, like, you, you were, like, too obvious that, you, like, you didn't reciprocate or something like that. Oh, wait, was that a reason why? No, I, I also, like, on social media, I was, like, kind of mad at her because I thought she was mad at my sign. So then, oh, really? like, I didn't, um oh, I, yo, tag, I tagged myself brilliant. in, like, all the photos okay. with her on awesome. Facebook.
1: Okay, to really be petty. fair,
0: Ethan, you know, for all of my days, I played some kind of musical arrangement for them. Yeah, that was pretty hardcore. I was pretty low. I guess I felt like mine was pretty good. Like Latin, because like we both took Latin. I felt like it made sense. Like if if I came out with my violin, I would be off pitch. Like I'm not good at violin. So like I played violin in high school. So, but yeah. So anyways, like Hotel, right. And like how, you know, that destroyed our friend group. (laughs) High school is super (laughs) petty, but um, yeah. Okay, sure. anyways, that like made me super depressed because I realized like I didn't have any true friends or I had like two true friends. And um yeah, that really hurt. And I think a lot of high schoolers are very immature in a sense, including myself at the time. And um yeah, like just not having a great support system besides like my family and like two friends definitely hurt. Um but yeah. Uh and then like I moved to California just a change of right. scenery and that, that definitely helped i got like really good grades and I got yeah good. i feel like you just need to get out of that like toxic i just need to get out of there and it also it's very toxic wallsley high school at least in my year because everyone wanted to get into ivy leagues and it was a really that's, dangerous that's weird because like my grade didn't really care about colleges but yeah, we had a, a high proportion of people go co- <laughs> yeah I, I think it's also a really dangerous mindset um i i i, I have to say like i didn't I had that mindset freshman year like I really wanted to get into good schools but later on I realized like what matters is like my work right um, I also did like research at Wellesley College which well I, not, well I wasn't I didn't finish my studies I did research at Wellesley College under a really great professor like Professor Annie Musafaraya. and she just you know pretty much like changed my life in the sense that she pointed me into the right direction for like what I wanted to do with my life and like, made me realize I really wanted to, you know, make an impact on society rather than, like, you know, get a job at X, Y, and Z and make as much money. Like, she, she made me realize, like, how many important issues there were in the world and, like, how you can apply, like, software engineering to solve those, like, really important issues. For example, like, misinformation. Back in 2016, when I was doing research on this, um, they were one of the first people to do research on I was part of it for understanding misinformation on Discord specifically. Right. so that was super cool um yeah echo chambers well, yeah. I echo it. chambers and also like pretty relevant to this really and it's still relevant which is really exciting like four years from now people will have contacted me about my that's like true. research on discord right <laughs> i'm not trying to flex uh that's but cool. no that's a flex yeah. but um also like and, and like like the manufacturer of consent on facebook right like how facebook enables you know these big boys like people that have a lot of money to basically throw ads at really specific people and like manipulate how they vote essentially yeah that's uh, so it's very that was really exciting to see like how powerful software engineering was and you know get that basically got me out of the mindset of like oh i need to get into like mit stanford harvard whatever right yeah i don't yeah 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 absolutely like oh i gotta do these also also how's like a great school which uh, okay once you no, Cal's a great school. I love it. College. Yeah. They're all the same. Same with jobs. I would say like, yeah. once you're within like the top, like what, 25 employers for that industry, you're chilling. Right. What matters no. most is find an industry that is the best fit for you. And so also like right here, what yeah. work you've done too. Like the work you've no, done is more important really. than like whatever school name you have. Like no one cares if you went to Cal and you just got good grades and you didn't do anything. Like, Right, like for Like you didn't take any initiative. Now. You don't, care about anything else apparently based on your like resume right what matters is like the work you've done and like what you've like taken initiative on to you know better society or like whatever you're motivated about like it's fine to like not care about society and only care about finance but like as long as you you put in a lot of work there like i guess it's impressive yeah Um, but yeah let's talk about your like your mental health and like how you deal with stress and like i know we've talked about this I don't think it's that sensitive honestly like i think i don't think it's weak. it is what it is as they say yeah no but like you know how like people like tag people in memes about like depression and stuff and, and like people joke about killing themselves like well, I, I think I, it's like very you know very prevalent across the line yeah joking about, like feeling sad i guess it's okay yeah so you don't want to normalize the sadness i i agree and and i think it's it's part of college culture though unfortunately all right it is college culture just to feel miserable all the time yeah which kind of begs the question why does it have to be this way? yeah why does it have to be right and like i think for your experience right you, you had ups and downs as well and we don't have to go into details but i guess like how did you you know navigate you know some of like the more hard, like the harder moments right we've talked about like how did you like overcome those um obstacles and you know find like a new place of happiness i know for you you have like a really great group of friends now and you know Really strong support system. Yeah, I guess this circles similar to myself. Like I've found myself in a much better place now. Right, right. I think it's like similar to coping with stress where you want to have not hobbies, but this avenues of releasing stress, ways of releasing pent up emotions, right? For me, that outlet was running, also music, but you also want to have a good support system as you um, right frequently mentioned so that, that would be like yeah just like family and friends like i like i mentioned earlier i think that's, that's the best way of coping cool with that and like of. and and how do in you know stuff. when to like cut off people right i think that's also something that's really hard to do and like when do yeah, you know there's some toxic hard. people that like get jealous about you or you know they pull you down and i think that's also really important you know to you know be aware of that you know sometimes some people can be jealous of you and could bring you down like how do you cut off you know those types of people yeah that's a good question i, I don't bring any negative energy in this podcast but yeah uh i mean it, it's too easy just to get lost lost in, the soul. in a like friendship or relationship where you, you feel like everything's going well but in reality you just mm. can't exploit exploited or something even manipulated. um sure. <laughs> I think you have to like rely on your other like trusted friends just to tell you right like right, i have some like friends. Me, i told you straight real. up i was like that's that's toxic okay i mean um, i told you from a, a straight well, yeah, yeah like yeah you should probably not do that with this friend or this person, this person yeah yeah so i think that's pretty helpful like listening to also to also real parents yeah. even though i disagree with them sometimes uh also helpful same with you like you'll see some things that i disagree with <laughs> yeah because i tell I the truth in consideration even though i disagree with it yeah um, i think that, that's hurts. helpful in breaking that bubble right that yeah. often surrounds the way that you make decisions when you're like, on no with a toxic friend, you know, right. Um, and then, like, let's talk about you know where we're at currently, right? In the middle of, you know, a pandemic, right? How right? H- how have you been managing, you know, all this? And I guess um, what has what has this experience like, you know, given you? Have you like learned anything interesting? Just to, like wrap this all up, and like, what are your advice for people like who are currently in the pandemic? especially, like, college students. Yeah, that's that's a good way of wrapping things up. I think that in quarantine, it's been nine months, so what right. happened was I went home for spring break, and I couldn't <laughs> come back. <laughs> yeah. So what was supposed to be a week-long vacation turned into a nine-month foray. And <laughs> basically what I did was, like, first off, I just took some idle time, right? I just chilled. I watched a lot of tv played a lot of video games just right. relaxed, right i did nothing productive and yeah that's sure completely did. good too because this is pretty much the only time in my life where i'll be able to do that before right then you're just I working away for the next 45 years in a corporate world um so i definitely took advantage of that for sure lots lots of tv um you know had fun um i once things got a little bit clearer, I started hanging out with my old high school friends. It was great to like reunite with them. Yeah, that was like, super cool. Like you mentioned- We went biking community. with yeah. them. Um, We got meals, we went on runs together. Um, Just to catch up, which was pretty refreshing. Yeah. And then- and you haven't like talked to them in like since the beginning of college, right? Yeah, exactly. So now, now we like meet up like once a month or once every Yeah, week. that's super cool. Pretty nice um besides that I wanted to stay productive like after I got bored of being a bum basically I decided to do grad school basically I did grad school classes um at Cal I had a semester of that which was pretty fun actually it was a nice way to meet new people but also learn new skills like how to program right which beforehand I didn't know how to do right um so that's how um I approached uh COVID-19 like one was just you know let myself have complete idle time just to do whatever I wanted to whether it's productive or not then two once I got tired of doing that then I um did classes um online they don't they can be paid or unpaid that's my recommendation to um college students who may not have the opportunity or don't want to uh, go back to school just because they're not getting much value out of it. Right, um, like maybe do an internship or something. Yeah, do an internship. Like, yeah, I, I did a I did an internship this summer as well for a film property consulting firm where I helped source deals, which was pretty cool. So I helped like reach out and also like brainstorm mm-hmm. ways that right. uh, the consulting firm could provide services. Kind of really like an cool. extension on 180, um, which was right. pretty cool. Right. Um, that was 180 degrees cool. consulting. Yeah. Yeah, and it, if you can afford it, um, then you can you can make an unpaid internship, right? um yeah. doesn't have to be paid as, as you uh, internships possible. are unethical because you should always be paid for your. yeah absolutely I completely agree because that understates the value that an intern provides yeah the team. um yeah completely but it is what it is and if you can afford it it's a privilege once again it's a privilege of course it's, it's a, a, a privilege, privilege. yeah um it, but, yeah um yeah that's that's what i recommend to uh college students out there i know it's a really rough time but right it's super rough. It there and you yeah. know also, just reflect on what you're grateful for. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah, I think gratitude is one like, of the that helps keep you grounded. Of my nine months in quarantine, because right. I've so been in my childhood home for. for the past nine months. I the don't nostalgia. need to nostalgia at this point. I, I feel so like emasculated at this point. Yeah, let's but- let's talk about um those childhood memories. I think you know one of the best memories I've had of you is when um you shut off that TV. To watch oh yeah show. i wrote a story about that in third grade um that was uh it was, was quite the experience I was switching the tv shows and getting cut by my brother or sisters of it wasn't course, a cut I exaggerated you, the details a little bit you but you, you did your, cut you, me put, the you put tape. your fist on my scissors i was just doing arts and crafts and, and you then you cut me. hand no no you moved that was, your hand. That was not trying to cut yourself that was not a move i right, well, was straight well, up disrespected okay i wrote see, about said, it she said, i have documentation I documentation too so as well you can dig it up. I'll see you in court, buddy. I'll see, I'll see you in court. I'll see you in a, what's that, what's that, what's that show called? With Judy? Judge, Judge Judy? Judy? <laughs> yeah, Judge I'll see Judy. you in Judge Judy. We'll see who's um, right. Yeah, I'm gonna bring litigation from third grade. Well, thank you for being the first guest of the Beyond Podcast. Um, thank you for having me and for being an excellent. Yeah, person. as I mentioned before, this podcast is mainly interviewing people I found very inspiring that I think all of our listeners could learn from or you know draw inspiration from so to end this off i guess do you have anything to plug in specific or anything you'd like to you know depart with i guess we already did that but like do you have anything you want to plug stay grateful stay thoughtful stay purposeful yeah and keep on listening to the beyond podcast ethan is a great content producer shout out to my brother thank you thank you and also you know if you want to you know hear a part two where we talk about you know more spicy topics or like spicier topics like religion potentially you know leave a comment leave a like um but yeah uh so anything you want to plug in general like any social media like your linkedin no no, please don't um i'm I'm good i mean if you want to look me up on linkedin that's that's cool too it's your next guest i know uh my next guest is um johnny have you met johnny yeah I, Well, i've chatted with him a little bit right oh but... yeah, yeah a messenger yeah he's super cool but that, that's, that's yeah he seems really chill should be Absolutely. better than this podcast but you know we'll see yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know i'm a low quality substitute dude but... um well anyways i will um end this meeting and I shall never talk to you again oh okay bye, bye. love you